Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my coaching business in which I work with leaders. This is part two of my conversation with Brett Tanner. Brett is the head basketball coach at the Abilene Christian University. During part two, Brett and I discuss his five pillars of his program, how he builds an elite environment, leadership development, and much, much more. This episode uh, will help you be a better leader. Brett gives great insight into his program um, during part two of my conversation with him. So without further ado, my conversation with Brett Tanner. Okay, let's talk um, kind of the, the the environment you've created, which uh, sounds like it's all built on relationships. Like that is the, one of the, whether it's stated yeah. or um, not, it sounds like building authentic, real relationships is like the the ground, the bedrock of your program. Um, yeah, maybe maybe share some of the, I know you've had uh, at your different stops, the, the coaches were really good at that. And so I'm sure it's one, probably some of your wiring, but also you've seen it modeled. Uh, why is that so important? How do you do it? What's it look like? Yeah, maybe riff on that for a little bit. Yeah, so what we, we said, Joe and I kind of sat down um, a while ago, I don't know, maybe six years ago um, and, and said, you know, what, what are we really trying to achieve? You know, what are, what are we about? What is this program about? And we took about a week, man, and we really thought about it. We took input from other programs, other people, the rest of our staff, and we kind of came up with four pillars, I guess you could say. Um, you know, we didn't like using the word culture. And that we thought it was getting overused, um, but it's truly what it is. But um, so we had these four pillars, man, and we threw the word consistently in front of them because we wanted to consistently do them, not just us, but our players, everybody as a whole, as a unit. Um, And then and they kind of have to go in order, you know, because if they don't go in order, they don't work. And the, the first one was consistently communicate. Um, and communicate. Anybody that knows me knows that communication is 100% key to everything. Yeah. Um, and, and we've, you can't, you can't accomplish anything, man, if there's not communication, whether it's on the floor, whether it's off the floor, uh, we communicate, we have our text threads. If we're going to be late, if we're going to be, you know, everybody has to, you know, I'm getting buzzed today because all the guys are going home. I arrived, I'm here, you know, everybody responds. We consistently communicate. I think if you consistently communicate now, we, we go into like consistently build re- real relationships. Um, if you don't communicate, you cannot have a real relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, First, you start with communicating and then we start building real relationships, man. And, and uh, by real, we mean like we we say I love you. We, we hug each other when we see each other. Um, we it means something to us. And so, uh, you know, the officials get mad. We, we, we hug before every game. You know, it's like we go down the line and the guys, you know, the officials are always like, can you guys hurry up? You know, so we can get started. <laughs> um, but uh, but, you know, but we do those things. I think, you know, we have real relationships and then. Which is really important. The third one is consistently hold each other accountable. You know, if if you communicate, then you can have real relationships. If you have real relationships, then you can hold each other accountable. If you don't have real relationships, you can't. There's no accountability. Nobody's going to listen. There's not going to be respect there. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously, I hold these guys accountable on the floor when they do things wrong, or if they get in trouble, if they don't go to class, if they miss an assignment. Uh, but but I allow them. I do. I allow them to hold me accountable as well, and that's not always easy. Um, and, and that's something that Joe was really good at and that I've, I've, I did change cause I needed to be better at that. Um, and you know, they're allowed to, to hold me accountable to things. We, we make commitments at the beginning of the year. And if, if we're, if we're not upholding those commitments, um, then, 
they're allowed to come tell me, you know, one of my biggest things is body language. I'm always talking about body language, body language, body language. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of bad body language too, you know, and, and, and there's, I can't tell you how many times a player has grabbed me in the middle of a game and said, coach, body language, you know, 10 years ago, I might've, you know, swung around and said, what are you talking, you know, sit down. Uh, but now I, I get it. Um, you know, the, I had a player that, that was really close to me and still is um, where I shoot. I went to high school with his mother, but you know, he used to just, he didn't even have to say anything. He could just touch me, you know, grab my arm and, and, there was something that I specifically asked him to hold me accountable to all year. And he did that. Uh, and I, he didn't even have to say anything. He would just kind of touch me, you know, and I would know immediately like snap back into it. Um, and so accountability is huge, uh, but I don't think it works if you don't allow the players to hold you accountable. Also, mm. they know there's a fine, they, there's a line there. They can't, they know that. Um, but, but we're all going to hold each other accountable. We do that because we have real relationships. We have real relationships because we communicate. And then the last pillar is that we consistently compete. But I think, you know, competing has to be the last one because, you know, if you don't communicate, you can't have real relationships. If you don't have real relationships, you can't hold each other accountable. And without accountability, you can't really compete at a high level. And so uh, we're going to compete in everything we do. If the team is coming over to my house. You do not want to be the one that's last. You know, even if I mean, um, we go places and we go to other people's houses to eat or do things. And they, people are amazed because we are 30 minutes early. It's not because we love to be early. It's because nobody wants to be the last one there. Uh, and so it's it's one of those things. We're going to compete in the classroom. We have GPA groups, you know, with, the, you know, everybody has coaches that are in charge of two or three guys and, you know, they monitor and we compete there. The highest GPA, you know, is going to get to go have a great meal, you know, why everybody else is at study hall, you know, in the second semester. And uh, we're going to find a way to compete in everything. And I think that if you consistently commute, compete, then you're going to compete on the floor. Yeah. You're going to have success. And so those four pillars, I think is how, I think that they cover everything, you know, um, but I think it's really important that they're in order, you know, because you, you can't just say, well, we consistently compete. We also, you know, build relationships and we also, it has to be in that order or I don't think it works. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, guys get on. I know, I know nowadays guys stay on campus for a lot of, a lot of the summer, but let's, let's fast forward to August first day of school official, you know, you get your team together. Over the first couple months, are there anything, wh what do you do to try to just drive these four pillars home? Is Do you guys do anything out of the norm? Are you just consistently messaging it? Do you do both? Do you have some, you know, I know t I know teams will go on retreats. They'll do different sure. things. Yeah, what, how do you start driving this down with your, with your club in August? So we start in the recruiting process. Um, we talk about our pillars in the recruiting process. Um, and that's where it goes back to where I was saying, finding the right fit yeah. is more important than finding the most talented player. And so they know that these are things that are going to be a part of who, who we are when they get here. Um, but then, you know, we do, we start right from the start when they get here, um, in our first team meeting, we're going to talk about our pillars and these are the things that we're going to try to uphold and this is what we're going to do. And, and so, but then we do do other things. We do a retreat like every, like most people do. Um, and, and I, I love the retreats that we've done. We've had some unbelievable retreats. We've, um, during COVID, they were a little different, obviously. Um, but you know, we've gone off into the mountains before we've, you know, we've just gone to a friend's, you know, ranch down the, down the highway before we've done a lot of different things, but we talk about, we make commitments to one another, um, that, you know, in front of a group that we're all going to be able to hold each other accountable to, um, and you know, how we can be a better person. Um, and things like that. And so we do all that stuff. We also, uh, you know, here at Abilene Christian University, we have team chapel. Um, so we use our team chapel time on Thursdays to talk about um, these pillars as well. We, we relate them to scripture. We, you know, we do those things. And then uh, on Tuesdays, we have what we call 
you know, we've changed the name a bunch, but uh, we we call them leadership groups, but they're different small groups with, with an assistant coach and that assistant has them. Uh, and we, we hammer these pillars while we're in those groups. Yeah. Um, and those are times we, I mean, some of those sessions get super deep. Some of them are very light, um, but we talk about our pillars in every single one of those settings. Um, and we constantly consistently do them. And I think that's just, it just kind of becomes a part of who we are. Um, and some teams are, are more ingrained into them than others. Um, yeah. It's not going to always be perfect, but um, but we're going to talk about them always. And uh, I even asked the team in the sp- our last spring meeting before they went home this year, our returners. I said, "Hey, do we want to do we want to look at these and evaluate them and change them? You know, like do we want to? Maybe it's time to reset." And and I mean, like that. It was like, no, like this is who we are. This is what we want to be, which made me feel really good because it made it made me feel like okay, we are hammering home the right things. Uh, for them to be that quick, you know, with that response. Uh, so, but we're yeah. going to put it, it's going to be a part of everything that we do. Staff meetings, player meetings, leadership groups, team chapel, um, pregame you know, talks, postgame talks. It's everywhere. Yeah, I love it. If I ask all of your players, if I went on campus and ran into all your guys and said, hey, what are the four pillars? How many out of the, I don't know, 13 guys, 15 guys on your roster, how many would know them immediately? Uh, 14. <laughs> okay yeah Get them. i'm leaving one out because I, there's always that freshman that struggles early right uh, but but yeah so i would imagine if you came in december all of them yeah uh, if you came in the fall every single returner yeah um and, and you know the new guys they kind of figured out first when the new guys get here they think is this serious are we really gonna and then once we start to live it out i think is when they start to really kind of feel it and they start to know them and um you know then they then they know them but they don't know them in order and you know and then we start sure. talking about like they, why do these need to be in order and so um but yeah i would think all of them uh would know them immediately love it love it okay you mentioned some leadership groups um i'm going to peel off of that a little bit what do you do do you have captains do you have a, a leadership council do you is it organic? Is it, yeah. What, what do you do as far as captains are concerned or non-captains? Yeah. So every year has been different. Um, you know, I'm not last year I had the senior leadership group. I didn't like that because I think that, uh, it's the first time I had done that with seniors. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. I thought, you know, this is the senior leadership group and I met with them every now and then. Um, but I was just anointing seniors as leaders. Um, and we all know that those aren't always your best leaders. And right. so um, as soon as the season was over and and everybody had their couple of weeks or whatever, and we came back together. I just told them, listen, that was a mistake by me. That's uh, this is not me knocking our seniors um, because they're great people and and they tried really hard. But that some of them it wasn't their skill set. I think they were very uncomfortable being in that role. And so that was a mistake that I made. And so I don't a freshman can come in here and be a leader if it's in his DNA. Um, yeah. And so I'm just going to this year, I'm just going to kind of hopefully let it organically happen um, throughout the summer. We're we're very fortunate to have a summer foreign tour this year. So we're going to get more practice time and more um, competition. So I think it'll it can happen a lot quicker. Um, but, you know, other year, I think just go year by year um, and kind of go. And I just I don't like how I did it last year, though. That's the first time we've ever done that. I don't know why I did it, um, but I think it was a mistake. Had you done in the past uh, or been a part of programs that had captains or were they more? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's not always, I've, I've been around guys that, Hey, the seniors are the captains. Hey, I'm just good as the coach. I'm going to pick the captains. We've had the players get to vote for the captains. 
Um, but I don't know if that works either because I think sometimes the, the players will just vote for who they think that you think it should be. You know, they're not really voting and they don't want to upset anybody or whatever. And so I think it just kind of naturally happens and um, see see where it goes. Love that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's interesting. I ask that question on most of my podcasts with, with coaches and I think it's I think it is is trending towards that sort of like organic let the let the let the leaders rise to the top yeah. um, because I think what happens is enough coaches place a leader in there and it doesn't go well and then you got to backtrack that and that's always hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you put a kid in a spot that they maybe shouldn't be and then you got to backtrack so that hurts their feelings or you know maybe put some cracks in their confidence. So the, yeah, the, I feel like it's trending towards, um, man, leaders lead, let them, let the cream rise to the top and let's, you know, kind of, kind of observe who's, who's taking leadership that way. I think I kind of did that last year. I, you know, I, I anointed these leaders, um, that never really asked to be the leaders. And then I was on them about not being good leaders. And then I was, I was hurting. They weren't as good at the things that they're good at because they were struggling so much trying to be these leaders that they weren't. It wasn't natural to them. Uh, and I think I hurt my team um, this year by doing that. And so hopefully it's something I, I learned from. We all, you know, we grow as we as we go through this thing. And I think definitely just allowing it to happen is the best way to go. For sure. Okay, let's um, let's compare where you're at right now to um, a year and a half, two years ago. Where are you better? Just having been a Division One head coach for for two years now, going on your third are there any areas that stick out where you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I see this more clearly or I'm better in this area? I'm a better delegator. <laughs> I was not a very good delegator at first. I no. wanted to do everything myself to make sure it was done right. I think part of that was um, my role for Joe, you know, was kind of to be behind him and, and do everything for him. Um, and I and Joe didn't ever ask me to do that. I just felt like I needed to do it, you know? And so sure. when I took this job immediately, I had the staff and they were just sitting there like, Hey, what, what is my job? You know, like you're doing it all. And, uh, and so I've definitely got better at that. Um, and I think, again, I think having some of these guys, um, uh, with more experience, um, you know, uh, they, they're not afraid to tell me, let me have that. You know, um, one of my new guys just the other day was like, man, you don't need to do that. You're like, yeah. I got it. Um, so good. And at first I was kind of like, hold on. And then you're, you're right. Uh, you should do that. I shouldn't do that. And so I've definitely gotten better at that. Um, you know, basketball, you just naturally, you get better with it. I think, uh, more comfortable, you know, this year I was way more comfortable, um, in game than I was year one, you know, I wasn't as uptight and nervous and, um, I'm a fiery person and, and I guess just normally, uh, but I was able to like calm myself down and really see the game as it was happening this year, uh, more than just be so intense. You know, I'm, I'm a competitor, you know, in nature, um, I was a fiery player and I want my team to be that way. And so I've always tried to be that way, but I think they don't need me over there ranting and raving and hollering and, you know, uh, as much as, as I used to do. And I've gotten better at just kind of stepping back and letting the players play. Yeah. Um, it's, I can't remember. I'm not sure if I've shared this with you or not, but I was watching you guys practice. Um, it would have been maybe November and there was a stretch. I watched for probably 20 minutes and literally there was a, probably of those 20 minutes, probably 17 of those minutes, you were on a young, one of your young guys. And I mean, it was literally almost every time down the court, you'd either stop it or you'd, you'd have to correct. 
And I was blown away. Um, and this probably goes to your relationship, Bill. I was blown away. Like, I mean, it was like constant. Boom. Hey, get the, I mean, it was, he needed corrected quite a bit. And yet he never, I never saw kind of the body language of like, damn coach, why are you always on me? I never saw his head hang. I didn't see his shoulders slump. Great body language the whole time. And you were, for lack of a better term, there was a relentless, like, we're going to get this right. Uh, it was just really impressive. One, you're, you'd mentioned your accountability. And then two, the way he, he took it. I mean, really, he took it like a pro. It, it was like, that's, a, that's what a man, that's how a man takes correction. I'm guessing that's probably a lot of uh, the benefit of building deep relationships that you can't, I think you said, coach them hard and love them even harder. Um, yeah, I throw that story out. I don't, you probably don't even remember it, but it, it, it impacted me. Cause I'm like, dude, this guy has yet to look at, at Brett cross-eyed or kind of give him that little look like, man, what the hell? Um, I'm guessing relationships are, are a huge part of why, you, how you can do that. Yeah, I think it is. It has to be, you know, I, if there's no real relationship there again, like how can you hold anybody accountable? They're not going to respect you or care about you. And they know they have to know it's coming from a good place. And so I, I think, I hope we do a good job at that. Of course, we fail at that at times. You know, you have better relationships with others. You're not going to have the this unbelievable relationship with everybody. But I think if everybody on the team knows that it's coming from a good place, that you truly care about them. Um, and I, you know, this is something that uh, we stole from somebody, of course. Uh, and I don't remember who we stole it from. But um, on our recruiting visits, you know, we as soon as they get on campus, uh, we take them into a conference room or locker room or wherever. And they meet with four or five of our players with no coaches there. Um, they're allowed to ask them anything, do whatever. And our players are allowed to be open and honest with them. Uh, and I think that's probably the most powerful thing that we do in the recruiting process, because immediately when they're on campus, they know, okay. And, and we don't prep our players. I know people can think, well, you prep your players. We're not in the room. They can say whatever they want. And, and so we've been told by recruits, by recruits, parents, that that is the most impactful thing that they've, gone through on a recruiting visit that and we do it right away we've had people commit almost immediately um after that because they the players tell them coach is going to be hard man like you're gonna this is how he's gonna this is how he's gonna coach you but at the same time that we we go to his house we spend time with him we know his wife we know his children we know you know like um and this is how the other staff members are and they, they go through the whole thing and so before they even are here for an hour they're hearing from our players exactly who we are. And I think that goes into maybe a fall practice, you know, like it's already in there and who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. And uh, so I, I wish I could remember who we stole that from. It wasn't like it's something we just came up with. We had heard, I think Joe heard about it and we were like, yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. That's and cool. uh, it's been one of the best things we've done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with your staff, let's, let's talk in season staff. Are you a, we're meeting every single day at 9 a.m.? Is it more organic, pop your head in to somebody's office? Is it weekly meetings? What's the staff rhythms look like? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit all of that. Uh, I think I probably got to get a little more consistent. I think that some of these new guys I've hired are going to help me with that. But um, we're going to meet. Uh, we're going to talk recruiting. You know, we're going to talk practice. I, I want, I don't want to just show up to practice, hand the guys a practice plan and say, this is what we're doing jump on, you know, yeah. I want to make sure that they understand, they know what we're doing and why we're doing it, who's going to be doing what in practice. And so I think that's really important. I think you can get that accomplished in 10 or 15 minutes. You don't have to meet for an hour. Um, and I, I don't, it won't be early. I don't, I'm not an eight to five guy. Um, I don't care if an assistant leaves before I do, that doesn't bother me. Um, I want 
all of my guys, I mean, not all of them, but most of them have young children. I want them to be able to take their kids to class, you know, to school. I want them to be able to do those things, get them ready, feed them breakfast. So that means they're not going to be in here until 930 or so. Um, and, and I want that for them. And so, you know, I think we kind of 10 o'clock was kind of our time this year. Um, where we, it seemed like we would get together basically when I see everybody up here, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's, let's chat real quick. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get it knocked out. We'll talk about, it's just kind of an open forum. Anything else, you know, what else we got going on? And, uh, that's when we find out about maybe some academic issues or somebody failed a test or, um, you know, our travel, uh, coming up the, the next week. And so it's just, there's no schedule. Um, it's just, let's, let's cover all these things. And it just kind of happens when it happens, but usually mid morning sometime. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, okay. I end with three questions. Let me, let me, let me ask this first. What are your, what are your daily rhythms, the stress and strains of being a head coach? Um, it's tough. It's competitive. You're recruiting, you're coaching, you're traveling. How do you keep yourself healthy? Do you have rhythms? Do you have habits? Are you a runner? What, yeah. What do you, what do you do to make sure you're not fried and cracked by November or December? Well, the first thing I do, and I started doing this about, uh, I don't know, just right before COVID hit. Uh, and I, I'm glad I did because it helped me get through that time. But uh, I don't do anything in the morning until I, I read the Bible uh, a little bit. And, and I think I just shared this with my team um, just last week. I think, you know, there's there's a study about, you know, the power of four. You know, if you read the Bible three times a week, it doesn't really make an impact on your life. But if you read it four times or more, it makes this unbelievable impact on your life. And so, mm -hmm. I want to, before I do anything, and, and I would say I'm pretty successful at this. Sometimes it, it gets out of order, but I want to read. I get out of bed and I go upstairs. I have a room upstairs and, and I sit there and I, I read a devotional. I, I, I just open the book. I read a chapter. I, it's different. There's no, like, I'm going to do this. I do different. I have different devotionals I grab from, but I'm going to get into the word a little bit before I start my day. Um, and then as I get older, I think I stretch and I do some other things like that uh, to get me going. But then I, I love to walk. I'm a walker. I used to be a runner and a lifter and all that, but now I'm a walker. Um, if it's, if it's nice outside, man, I, I'm going to walk outside. Um, if it's not, uh, we have a treadmill. I'll jump on that for 25, 30 minutes. And that I'm not looking for distance. I'm just trying to move and, and get my, it, this is where I start thinking of things and I start texting my, my staff and doing things. Um, but I'm, those are going to happen before I ever get, jump in my car and head this way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to do that. And it, it just, it's a peaceful. And then I talked to my team about this. I, I will make my bed no matter what. I don't know. I, I was, an, I think it was a graduation speaker or something. What I was either at, or it was mine it said, man, the most successful people make their bed every day. And so I am going to make my bed. I tell my two sons, make your bed because, you know, it'll help you be successful. And it's crazy. It does. It makes you feel like you've accomplished something before you walk out the door. Um, so those are the three things I do. And then when I come in, I'm going to drink my coffee. I grab a cup of coffee. Um, and uh, from a, I have two places in town. I, I go back and forth between and I will shut my door and I'll drink a cup of coffee, go through my emails. Um, and then once my day gets going, it doesn't stop. Um, and so that's why I think it's really important for me at the very beginning to have a, a time of peace, you know. Um, and then I try my best, obviously with recruiting, you can't do it. But when I go home, um, I try to shut off for a little bit and spend time with my wife, mm. uh, spend time around, you know, my other, my oldest son is on the team. So I see him enough, but my younger son, uh, conversate with them, be around them a little bit. Um, and then before I start getting back on the phone and making recruiting calls and doing those things. Sure. Are you a, uh, when you're on your walk, are you, um, listening to things or is that no, no input? I'm just going to think. Yeah, no, I, I think I usually 
pop on a podcast of some sort. I, you know, there's about, there's a bunch of them. I listen, I have on my, I'm subscribed or whatever. And, and so I'll just, something looks interesting. I'll click it and I'll listen to it. And uh, sometimes I will walk until that thing is done. Um, and sometimes I'll just find my way back to my house and, and I'll pick it up later in the day, but I'm usually listening to a podcast, um, during the season. It's, it's more basketball oriented, you know, this time of year it's leadership stuff. And, um, and I have some, some health, you know, some food stuff, health food and things like that. I'm kind of a, uh, I've become a, a foodie guy late lately as a habit. And so, or as a, as a hobby. And so yeah. I'm, I'm getting some of those too. Love it. So when, so when your staff gets the 10 texts in a row, they're like, all right, Brett must be, yeah. must be on his walk again. They know I'm on my walk and I'm, I'm probably going to be in shortly. So yeah. Love it. Okay. I end with three questions. The first one is what are you currently reading? That's keeping, keeping you sharp. Yeah. So, um, I haven't started these yet, but, um, you know, this summer I read a ton in the summer. Uh, I'm going to, I want to read the victory machine, um, the the book on the warriors. And then I'm going to, I'm going to read a book called the leftovers by Matt Saman, you know, who was a player at Baylor. And, um, I did a podcast with him last year. He sent me his book. And so I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into that. So I haven't started that yet, but, um, things that I have just finished, um, I finished, um, I like I like to read autobiographies more than leadership books. I think that leadership books. I don't want to listen to somebody tell me how to be a leader. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's not it's not uh, real. You know, if, if they're telling you this is what you do to be a great leader, I'd rather just listen to people's stories. Yeah, um, and kind of pick things out of that. You know, and so I thought Swagger was really good. Um, I, I can't remember if you told me about that or somebody else did, but Swagger was was something that I. Uh, it, man, it changed my whole dynamic this season, man. I got into that one. I love the Jimmy Johnson book, Swagger. Um, one of uh, Lou Holtz. I just reread this one. It's a book I read years ago. Um, uh, Wins, losses, and lessons um, by Lou Holtz, and it's an older book. But uh, again, it just I pick things out of there. You know, like um, I just I just love le- guys that I thought were great leaders, and then reading about them, um, and then pulling things out. You know. That was a good one. Uh, so the swagger I just read, um, wins, losses, lessons by Lou Holtz. I just reread. Um, and then, um, you know, I guess another one I was thinking about rereading this summer was a book about, uh, Abe lemons. I read it. I don't know. A lot of people might know Abe lemons was the coach at Oklahoma city. He was at Texas. Um, and, uh, it's kind of the court magician or something. And so those mm-hmm. are things that I pull from They're They're sitting right here. Uh, and I, I just open them all the time. And I, the things that I've highlighted all, I'll look at, um, but then those other two are the ones I'm going to get into here pretty quick. Love it. Uh, advice. What advice would you give a young person just getting into the, uh, coaching profession? Um, I think this, I think there, so there's two things. One, don't be afraid to make nothing. I think, unfortunately, I think anybody that, that you're looking at right now and you're like, I want to be where he's at or she's at, um, there's a good chance that they didn't make, they worked for nothing at some point. And I think that there's, um, the younger generation, it is what it is. I think they're, they're wanting it now, 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 now. Um, you're, you're not going to achieve anything, man, and be able to sustain it unless you go through those hard times. Um, you know, one of the proud, some of the things I'm the most proud of is that I made $2,500 and I had to substitute teach and I had to, you know, I had to mow yards and do those things while I was coaching. Um, you know, and then even, you know, as I got older and started having kids, I had to do some things on the side to make money because this is what I wanted to do. It wasn't, I wasn't chasing fame or money. I was doing what I love to do. And so you can't, I, you can't be afraid to make nothing. Uh, the other would be something actually out of that Lou Holtz book. That's always stuck with me is it's like, 
it's not uh how does he phrase it man it's it's um uh, you know it's not what you have it's who you have mm. and i think that i've been very blessed in my life to um to have really good people in my life i am sitting at abilene christian as the head basketball coach not because i am really really good at what i do uh, it's because of the people that i've surrounded myself with uh, it has nothing to do with how much money i had or you know that was just the people that i was surrounded by uh god took care of most of that for me um but then i would i'd like to think hopefully i was good and smart enough to keep those good people around me and so um and then this is a that my circle of friends we always talk about tough times past and tough people last you will you will live through some tough times man it's not going to be easy uh, but tough people will make it through and so you just got to kind of fight through it Love that. Probably too much. That's probably too much advice, but those are the three things that are always spinning in my brain. No, that's a great. I love that. And then uh, lastly, on your next walk, um, who would you love to hear talk about their coaching journey and they get into how they're building culture and their staff and hiring process and all that? So there's two. Um, one I'll throw you for a loop on, but the, the first one's easy. Um, I think Jared Mosley is the athletic director at, at North Texas. And the reason I think it would be great to hear from him and his, he has an interesting journey. It was very similar to mine, I guess. He was a, a young athletic director, you know, take it here at Abilene Christian that took, took us into the transition. And then he got out of athletic administration. You know, he was, uh, I think it was a Texas sports hall of fame. He was a CEO there. And then he got back into it as an associate AD and he worked under Ren Baker and, you know, a great leader. And, and now he's an athletic director again at North Texas. And so I think that would be really interesting to kind of hear his vibe, you know, and, and where he's, you know, what's been good and what's been bad about that journey. I think that would be awesome. Um, and Jared's somebody I know very well, but I've never really asked him those questions, you know, and so I think it would be interesting to hear him. Uh, the second one is somebody I don't know. I've never met. Um, but there's a guy by the name of Jack Clark. I've mentioned him before on another podcast. He's the rugby coach at UC Berkeley. Yep. I heard him years ago on Finding Mastery uh, podcast. Yep. And I was just like, I was just drawn to it. Uh, the success that he's had, I mean, what, some 40-some years as a head coach, 600-some wins and like 30-some losses. You know, I don't know anything about rugby, uh, but just listening to him talk about leadership was awesome. Uh, I hope I somehow, some way I get to meet him uh, at some point, but um it, it's just for I don't know why I was always drawn to him, but ever since I've listened to that, I'm talking about that was years ago. I've always wanted to hear him speak again, and I've never really found anything that that he's done that I can pick up on. Love that, yeah. I have uh, listened to a couple things that he's done, and the wisdom that dude has is yeah. off the charts. Yeah, well, I'd like to to hear some of those things so I could listen to some of them again. The Finding Mastery one is the one that's always stuck with me, but I'd love to listen to anything else. Yeah, love done. it, love it. Well, dude, thanks for your time. I uh, man, I've learned a lot from you just in our in our uh, time together over the last year. And as as you were talking and and you know sharing different things, I jotted down some some notes. And um, I think what sticks out to me with you, Brett, is you're super authentic. And um, really, really honest, which is such a, and I know that's like, duh, who isn't honest, but there's just an authenticity and a, just a blunt honesty with you. And um, that I, that I think people really appreciate. And then the third thing I wrote down that I've, that I observed from you is there's a confidence without an arrogance. And um, you told me a story one time it happened this year and I, I don't remember all the details, but you walked into the locker room and you actually asked your players at a half. It might've been after the game. You ask your players a question like to get their feedback. And I just think that's rare 
for coaches to have enough confidence and enough security in themselves to like, Hey, what do you guys think? Give me some, give me some feedback here. And it wasn't one of those, you know, one of those things where it's like, I'm asking, but you better know the right answer to say it was legit feedback when, when you shared the story. So anyways, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a ton from you. So all that to say, I appreciate you hopping on and spending some time with us. No, I appreciate you having me on. This has been fun, man. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, I look forward to the next one we have.